Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. This is your host, Jay Dub. What a great weekend of football. We definitely saw who the some pretenders were, saw some contenders step up, and we saw some buffoon, moronic coaching. So I'll get to that on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. Okay. Like I said, interesting, great football this weekend. Awesome, awesome stuff. I'm going to get into it very shortly here. What a weekend of games, though. Let's talk about, so what did we learn? First and foremost, definitely saw some contenders. Actually, a team I thought was going to be really good kind of fall off, which was University of Miami. I thought the U might be back. I don't know if this was the enemy of their year, but I liked how they played so far. And their coach literally demonstrated that meritocracy isn't in place, at least in these multi-million dollar coaching jobs. I'll get to that in a minute. Notre Dame, not that they were really championship contenders, although I think they had aspirations the Irish do every year, but we can officially stick a fork in their 2023 title aspirations. They got soundly beat by Louisville. They've now got two losses and they look good in spurts but overall i don't think this is going to be their year and i think they're pretty much done but they got soundly beat by louisville who by the way remains unbeaten and they're definitely in my who stepped up category university of texas i won't say that they're out of it it was a tough loss in a rivalry game against another undefeated team in oklahoma but i just didn't like the way they played and i'll get to the kind of coaching in a second on that one let's go i have a new little category who's living on the edge I've got one team in this right now, although I was tempted to put Ohio State in here, although they really, they boat raced them in the second half, but they were, they were down for a lot of the first half against, in their game against Maryland and then ended up winning solidly, but not where the way they should have, but USC, God, what were they doing? They slept walk through this home game versus Arizona. They were very fortunate to win in three overtimes. I, I their last four plays in regulation were like, my fresh, my son's freshman football team. Like the first play was miscommunication at receiver when you should have run the ball right up the middle. Uh, second play was a like read option. And we're talking about plays from like the two yard line here, tie game with 30 seconds left in the game. All you gotta do is kick a field goal to win. Second down is a read option dropped ball. Third play was a, just try to run it up the gut with quarterback, didn't make it. And then the fourth play was like a missed kind of like situation with a kicker where he just shanks it and that's it. They go to OT, they win it, but I just, I, they look, they've got the talent, but they've had a lot of close calls. They're not putting teams away. They have uh, execution deficiencies. It, it's so they could be there at the end. They're still winning, which is all that matters, but who knows who stepped up. So I'm going to give Georgia a big round of applause here. They, played a tough Kentucky team who's looked great this year, and they absolutely beat them down. It was a very solid win. And Kentucky was good. I watched this game. Kentucky was playing hard. Georgia's just is better. They got up, and they were really good. Next, Oklahoma. Really solid effort by them. Their defense is much improved. Brent Venables has done a very good job of getting that defense to another level. Offense played well. That was a really tough game against Texas, but they really, they put a lot of pressure on Quinn Ewers, made Texas up to fight and work for everything. They won the game. So I got to stick by that. 
Okay, getting back to coaches and your moronic calls, you're going to hear a lot about, so I won't just really emphasize this, but but Mario Cristobal, what was he thinking? He literally could have just kneeled on the ball, two successive plays. I think it was actually only, technically it would have been one, and then they could take a penalty and then run one around for five seconds. But regardless, they could literally kneel twice and the game's over literally over and they run the ball fumbles Georgia goes 70 I think it was 76 yards in th- or 74 yards in 26 seconds on three plays and they win the game it's insane that was and, and after the game in the press conference he gave some completely stupid I don't even know what it was commentary about why he did it it was just insane which gives me to the lesser of two evils, but still, I think moronic coaching and there's, we could go on, on talking about this forever, but Steve, what was he thinking? He's got the ball. He's driving down. He can kick a field goal, take the lead, but he also knows he's playing against a tough Oklahoma team in a rivalry game. He goes ultra conservative, literally ultra conservative, multiple runs just in the middle of the field. This let me get some field goal range, kicks the field goal, leaves plenty of time for Oklahoma. I think it was like a minute 26 or something like that. They go all the way down the field and he throws a touchdown. They lose the game. Now, look, I'm not going to say Sark was a moron there because he just was extremely conservative. And in those situations, I think that's just, it's just a bad situation for your team. You got to play with a certain intensity what Mario Cristobal did was a felony in coaching ranks because you you had a win. All you do is kneel down. In Sarkeesian's situation, there is so much time left in the clock. You got to play your game. Keep going. You're in field goal range. Go for a touchdown, right? The touchdown is the only thing that keeps you from losing the game when Oklahoma gets the ball. But instead, he went ultra conservative and it cost them a game and potentially cost them a chance at a title this year. Again, bad coaching, bad beats. Okay. On to our weekly top college fantasy football free agent targets. Several of these names are going to be common, and I don't understand. I guess not enough people are listening to this or not enough people playing college fantasy football. Either or, there's several of these guys that are still out there, and I highly recommend you pick them up. At quarterback, I get two guys this week. First one, Brady Cook, Mizzou. Barn burner game yesterday against LSU. They lost, but a great effort. He had his four straight 300-yard game. He remains on this list because he keeps balling out. Brady Cook is available in 63% of leagues. He's only taken in 37%. He's a top 15 fantasy quarterback right now. He remains available in a lot of leagues. He should be starting in your league. Go get him. Second, Jake Plummer. Look, Louisville, by the way, he's owned in 29% of the league, so he's available in 71. Louisville is going to start getting a lot of publicity this week after beating Notre Dame. They're undefeated. And Plumber deserves credit. He didn't have the best game yesterday. Didn't play terrible, but didn't put up huge stats. But he still remains. He's the 23rd overall fantasy quarterback. He's worth a look on your team. If you need a quarterback, if you're at like a 10, 11, 12, 12 team league, hopefully you're doing super flex. He should be starting. If not, he should be on your bench and be a spot starter. Okay, running back. First guy, I'm going to butcher his name. Isaiah Afonzi, I believe is, is how you pronounce it. He plays at Cal in the now defunct Pac-12. He's in owned in 14% of leagues, so he's available in 86% of leagues. 
Fonzie's continue to put up big numbers and obviously in relative obscurity, Cal's not on TV, but he's been a top 20 performer. He's owned in very few leagues. I highly recommend picking him up. He seems to be the guy getting uh, both touches in targets in the passing game and carries in the run game. And Cal's putting up points. Yesterday they lost to, to Oregon State, but they still scored in the 30s. So they're definitely worth looking at. Next is a guy I had on this list last week, Show. Tootin, Virginia Tech, he's owned still in 19% of leagues. Again, quiet game yesterday, but still at double digits. He's getting four or five catches a week for 40 plus yards. He's getting plenty of carries. He had a touchdown last this past yesterday. So pick him up, go after him. He may not be sexy. He's not on national TVs, but he's a grinder. And he's worth being on the roster. And he's probably should be in your starting lineup. So that's an interesting one. Next is Lewis Bond. He was on this list last week, Boston College, still only owned by nine in 19% of leagues. I really recommend this guy. He's a sophomore. He's been up in his production. He's been consistent. He looks like he's the primary receiving threat there for the BC Eagles. So he's available in virtually all leagues. So go get him. And then the last receiver is wide receiver uh, is Andrew Armstrong from Arkansas. He's available in 84% of leagues. He's developed into the Razorbacks' primary receiver. He's a 22nd overall receiver. He looks good. I haven't seen a lot of him, but what I have looked at, it looks like he's strong at the point of attack. He's obviously putting up numbers. So lastly, we're all starved for tight ends in college fantasy. Outside of Brock Bowers, nobody's consistent and no one's put up a lot of points. Uh, but now we've got a top 10 guy. Out of Oregon State, Oregon State's been producing those tight ends. You got Dalton Kincaid in the league, Luke Musgrave. Or, sorry, Dalton Kincaid was Utah, but Luke Musgrave was a second-round pick from Oregon State last year. Um, Jack Valling, or Velling, I think it pronounced, he's only owned in 7% of leagues. He, I'll, I'll tell you right up front, he's not a target hog. He's clearly not a core-focused guy in their, in their attack, but he's definitely a preferred option in the red zone. He had three TDs yesterday. He has five overall in the season on only 13 receptions. He's a top 10 guy right now in college fantasy at tight end. Take a look at him if you're desperate for a tight end option. He seems to be coming on. He's getting targets every game, by the way. It's not like he's not involved, but he clearly is a mismatch and the red zones have been using him. Okay, on that note, another great weekend of football. Hope everybody has an awesome week out there. We're now firmly in, in October. We're getting all these rivalry matchups, in-conference games. We're seeing who's stepping up, who are the contenders, and who are the pretenders. And I hope you're having a great college fantasy football season. On that note, have a great day, great week. Take care. Before we leave, let me tell you a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. I said uptown.